and welcome to episode 75 of the Lace Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And what the heck happened in the draft lottery? Goodness gracious. Uh-huh. That's going to be our main topic. I have never, ever in my life seen anything like this lottery. Um, uh, in, in other news, Colorado is probably challenging the entire draft lottery process because uh, they somehow get to pick fourth overall. I, I don't get that at all. Yep. Um, so we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about, of course, the playoff matchups. Round two is underway. And uh, three of the four series, the team is up two to nothing. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. So that, of course, is subject to change. So we'll talk about what we've seen so far and what we think is going to happen next, even though probably one or both of us are probably going to be wrong on at least one of our predictions because yep. we can't get them all right. And then in rapid fire, um, a couple of coaching changes. Um, this time an assistant coach gets fired. A coach is hired. Uh, another coach gets the interim tag removed. The Jack Adams finalists are announced. And we also have a trade uh, right in the middle of all that. So we're going to dissect each and every one of those topics. But first, before we get underway, as we always do, shout-outs to all the players past and present who are born number 75 in the NHL, Hal Gill. Uh, being one of the most notable, uh, as is Ryan Reeves, who wears that number for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, believe it or not, as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2013, Ratko Gudas wore number 75. Uh, so did Brett Lindros with the Islanders in 95 and 96. As a member of the Bruins in 04 and 06, Colton Orr wore that number. Freddie Hamilton, as a member of the Sharks in 2014 and 2015, also wore number 75. So to all of them and to all of those we did not mention, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Yeah, so the draft lottery was pretty crazy. Um, some would say it's rigged. <laughs> yeah, some would say it's rigged. Um, so yeah, if you haven't heard so far, New Jersey, the New Jersey Devils had the first, got the first pick. Um, they, I think they had the third best odds or fourth best fifth. odds. Oh, fifth best fifth. odds. Yeah. Uh, to win. Philadelphia Flyers are the second. They had, like, the 14th best odds or something like that. 13th, actually. Okay. (laughs) They were still one pick away from winning the lottery, and that's 11-spot jump. I've never seen that big a jump in any lottery. This is a fun game we're playing because I I don't have the stats right in front of me. So um, so I'm going to try to guess what Dallas is. I think it was they had the 8th best odds. Yay, I did it. So they jumped to third, yeah. that's five spot jump, yeah. Um, so yeah, Dallas got third for the eighth spot. This is one of those, it's it's funny though, because like, let's say, because it's been reported that like this draft has, isn't as good or as deep as it, the last two drafts, like the McDavid and Austin mm-hmm. Matthews draft. It's like really only uh, Nico Herscher and... Uh, uh, Nolan Patrick, who are like the two like definite players who are going to be good, um, that are going to come out of this draft. So, um, in that regard, the uh, Metro Division just got stronger because uh, somehow, somehow, yeah, I know if it, if that was even possible, 
Um, so, you, you know, and I'm sure there were years where New Jersey and Philadelphia were wondering when they, like, you know, after playing, let's say, uh, Crosby, Tavares, uh, Ovechkin, um, guys like, uh, you know, Taylor Hall. I mean, New Jersey got Taylor Hall. Uh, Rick Nash was on the Rangers. All these, like, first overall picks that are in the Metro Division, and now they get theirs. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the Metro Division gets stronger. Taylor Hall, speaking of Taylor Hall, he uh, this is his fourth draft lottery win, um, or fifth, actually. Well, um, according to Kelsey Braid of TSN, uh, he tweeted about this. He said, if his math is correct, this is the fourth time Taylor Hall has been on a team that's won the lottery. But, like, he also was one of the players who won. Because you have... Well, yeah. So, so this yeah. is like his fifth draft lottery because he was the either way one. more than three times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more than three times. That's more than happened. three times, yeah. yeah. Um, right, because he has his own lottery: Nugent Hopkins, Nick Yakupov's, McDavid's, and now this one. So that's five. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I I assume you have more stats on this: uh, Colorado, Vancouver. Uh, Las Vegas and Arizona, who are all going to get those spots, um, didn't... This was Colorado... I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but Colorado had the by far the worst record ever, um, a regular season record in... Yeah, they owned, um, they owned the last place in the post, the year. They were that yeah, bad. Yeah, in the post... Like, it was like the worst record in post-lockout history. Um, era, or in this post-lockout era, and they were trying. They weren't tanking. They weren't even, like, you know, they thought they were going to be good. So it's like, uh, so they can't even win that. Uh, they can't even win the lottery. Um, yeah, I assume you have more to this. Yeah, well, but, yeah. In, in Colorado's defense, this is actually yep. the fifth time in the last six draft lotteries where the team with the best odds hasn't won. Yep. And uh, this is actually... The, sec- uh, the third time in NHL history where a team has um, has uh, jumped, um, I think, jumped from the fifth spot, uh, the fifth best odds of winning to the top spot. That happened with the Islanders back in 2000. Of course, we all know they took <coughs> DiPietro. Hmm. And in 2007 with the Hawks, it happened. They drafted Patrick Kane with that pick. Um, and uh, we talk about all the teams that... Uh, <laughs> Really got uh, the carpet pulled from underneath the feet there. Um, Vancouver had the second best odds; they went to fifth. Arizona had the fourth best odds; they went to seventh. And Vegas, who had the six, uh, who had the third best odds, I think the only thing more aggravating than if you're an Avs fan uh, of Colorado not winning the lottery is if Vegas won it. Right. I mean, a team that's never played. Well, I think everyone would be pissed off. Yeah. I think everyone would be pissed off. Then everyone would be up in arms, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But they they end up uh, going from third to sixth, so I'm not too too disappointed about that. But Vancouver, Arizona, and Colorado, yeah, they they all got the short end of the stick there. Um, Like, I've seen, like, I've listened to, like, um, you know, top 20, top 30 rock countdowns, maybe a few top 40, top 40s, not necessarily my choice. Um, (laughs) But... You know, I've seen, you know, songs, if they're very good, you know, jump 10 to 15 spots. I've never seen a hockey team jump 11 spots and almost win the lottery. That 
Like, this is the yeah. definition of an NHL lottery. Like, I remember my job being on the floor when, I know, figuratively speaking, my job being on the floor when the Oilers somehow got McDavid. Yeah. This is right up there with that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, just a lot of unpredictability. Now, there are two questions here that I have. Okay. The Devils have a tough choice to make with Nolan Patrick and Nico uh, Hersher. Either guy's going to be a difference maker for them. They also have a solid group of veterans. Like you said, they have Taylor Hall. They also have Mike Camilleri, Kyle Palmieri, Corey Schneider in goal. They also have youngsters like Mike McLeod, who's playing out of his mind for the Steelheads yep. in the OHL. Pavel Zaka, Joseph Landisi. Um, they're all waiting to make their big splash in the big leagues. And you also have to wonder... If Kovalchuk comes back, where he fits in? Do they right. deal him there were, his contract, or do yeah. they keep him and put him on the line with one of the youngsters? There was a report that uh, Ray Shiro was inquiring if Kovalchuk would come back. Um, this was before the draft lottery, so that, that is definitely a possibility. But on that last question, yeah, I think it's uh, it would be interesting. If I was Kovalchuk, I'd be like, oh, you might get Nico Heischer. And I get to play with Taylor Hall. That would be like um, that would be a good line to have. Um, by the way, I think Nico Heischer is now going to be the consensus. Seems to be the consensus number one. Like on all these like mock drafts that I'm looking at right now, they all say Nico Heischer is going to be the number one. Um, I guess it's because Nolan Patrick has like injury history and well, yeah, and he, he sure has riddled year this year, yeah, absolutely. And he sure is like has been playing out of his mind uh, this year. So I would imagine I think New Jersey is going to go with him, but it's one of those things where I feel like you can't, you can't go wrong with either one. Um, kind of like an Austin Matthews Patrick Line type deal. Um, yeah. What's kind of cool, though, is that, like, uh, unlike Austin Matthews and Patrick Laine, is that, like, let's say uh, Nico Heischer is by far better and Philadelphia picks Nico Heischer. Like, <laughs> you know, New Jersey has to play them, like, yeah. four times every time. So it's like a constant reminder that, like, oh, we could have had Nico Heischer, but, you know, you chose Nolan Patrick instead. Um, so that's kind what's of an interesting... Gonna, what's also going to be an interesting talking point is what Colorado's going to do, because everyone yep. assumed they were going to get the top pick, and they're just like, yep. oh, once that happens, you know, look out, they're going to trade either Landerskog or Duchesne. Now right. what do they do? Yeah, I actually think this could be, like, the best thing for them, because now they they don't have the pressure of picking one of those two guys. And they can pick, like, uh, Timothy Lilligren, Miro Hiskanen. I'm just looking at all these, like, defensemen. They could just... Or Kale Makar which is what they d- desperately need. So, like, they can just get a defenseman without being like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, Let's, you know, kind of thing. But, um, yeah, that's true. They don't have that much of a trade bait anymore in terms of um, people. I don't think there are going to be people who are who want to get that fourth spot. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, We'll see. Shutdown, shutdown defense is what they need, though. If it's offensive defensemen, I don't even know if, if they should even bother with that. But, yeah. you know, if you trap the best player available and then trade him later for someone you need, then, know. you know, that's not so bad either. I feel like I feel like defense is what Colorado desperately needs. They oh, have an yeah, abundance absolutely. of they forwards. They do something to improve that. Right, yeah. so, so that's what I'm saying. It's like it, I feel like if they get a defenseman of the future, then... They don't necessarily need a trade, you know. They can just uh, groom this defenseman up um, for maybe a year, and or you know, 
bring him in already, kind of like an Aaron Eckblad situation, and uh, see if it works or something like that. But you also have to think that uh, Dallas might be looking for a defenseman as well. Um, so is, uh, I guess, Vancouver, although Colorado will be drafting before them. But um, So it will be interesting to see. Uh, Philadelphia, I guess, could be looking for a defenseman too, but they'll probably be picking one of those two forwards that we mentioned. Yeah. So. Yeah, because um, like you, you imagine like Giroux, Voracek, yeah. you also have uh, Simmons who yeah. stepped up this year, and now they're and, getting uh, either Patrick or Hersher, so they're yeah, they're they going to be scary. Yeah, they're going to be scary, yeah, be scary uh, next year, uh, for sure. Um, although at the same time, you know they just need to get like a defenseman and a goalie. Um, you know that's like their forward depth isn't their biggest issue. So yeah, that's um, true. But, like, you know, it was quite a jump. They went from 13th to 2nd, so that's, um, you know. I think, if you, I think if you weren't watching the draft and someone told you that, you're, they, you, they, they would think you're yeah. on drugs. And also, Dallas won the uh, Central Division last year, so it's like yeah. it's one of those things. Um, and Philly you know. was a playoff team as well, yeah. yeah. Philly was a playoff team as well, exactly. Uh well, I mean, I assume we'll be talking about this more when the draft comes up uh, sometime in June. Uh, so let's get going on the playoffs, um, actual hockey that's happening. Uh, so we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon, or actually Sunday noon. It shouldn't be Sunday afternoon. Uh, so uh, I think it's just the Western Conference games are playing today, so... Yeah. Those are going to be changing, but we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference games first. Um, the big one, Washington-Pittsburgh. Sorry, Steve, I know it's it's not your, your one. Yeah. But uh, Washington-Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is up 2-0, um, and they'll get a home ice advantage on Monday um, for Game 3 and Game 4. Um, so... Uh, Washington doesn't look that great. I mean, Pittsburgh looks pretty good. Uh, should Washington be nervous? Um, I'll just throw out some stats here quickly. Jake Gensel is pretty good. Um, he has seven goals in his seven career playoff games. Four points this round, including two goals yesterday or um, in game two. Um, and Holtby has been pretty bad. Um, he has a .829 save percentage in round two. Um, he's given up six goals and 35 shots, and he was also pulled in game two, three goals allowed and 14 shots, and this was at, like, the end of the second period. Um, Fleury's still pretty good. Um, I don't have any stats on here, but he's been, he's been able to hold the fort. Um, so, uh, yeah, so should Washington be nervous? Well, Washington actually outshot Pittsburgh in both games in, uh, in game one, um, they were out, they outshot Pittsburgh thirty-five to twenty-one. Game two, thirty-six to twenty-four. The Pittsburgh Penguins, though, did a real good job of doing the little things right. Um, they blocked twenty-nine shots in game one. Washington only blocked eight. Um, and again, scrambling for the equalizer late, but Pittsburgh was able to hold the fort defensively. And and then you also have the timely goals going Pittsburgh's way. I mean. Nick Benino, just when he think he's done burning his division rivals, he comes up with another game winner in a third to put his team in the driver's seat uh, in game one. 
that stood out as the game winner, that 3-2 goal. Um, again, it came down to the simple plays. Pittsburgh was better in that department. In game two, that didn't change because in the second period early on, Washington gets a power play, and Matt Cullen goes shorthanded and scores. Um, and then further to the block shots uh, department, the Pens, as I mentioned, had 29 in game one. They had 33 in game two. Only gave the puck away four times the entire game. The Pen- uh, the Caps did that 13 times. They gave a puck away 13 times. Um and again, it's just a matter of making your opportunities count, and that's why Pittsburgh is up two to nothing in this series. You also look at what uh, Washington's top guns have been able to do um, in the regular season. Backstrom picked up twelve points against Pittsburgh. T.J. Oshie had ten. Uh, both of them had five or more points in round one. Uh, Williams, uh, Johansson also had more than five points. And in the first two games of this series, Oshie has two assists. Williams has done nothing offensively. Backstrom has a goal and an assist. Johansson is a minus four, has also done squat. Uh, and while Ovechkin pulled its weight with three points in, in the first two games, and he got three goals in the Leafs series, that's all he's been able to do. And, and in regards to Holby, he hasn't been terrible, but he, he's just been ordinary. He yeah. hasn't been playing like, like Braden Holby's been playing. And Fleury's been outplaying him. He stopped 67 yep. of 71 shots. And he's been the better goalie. Um, and this should also be noted, in each of the four years that Pittsburgh's won the Cup, they've beaten Washington every time. And as we all know, they can't get past the second round, the Capitals. They can't get past the second round with Ovechkin on their team. Uh, for a team to win previously 15 straight at home at one point this year, they go into Pittsburgh down two games to none, dropping two in a row at home, and all they've got to show for it is four goals. <laughs> and they face a potential 3 nothing series deficit if they don't wake up in game three. I wouldn't say it's time to panic, but they definitely need to be concerned. Because if you're Pittsburgh, you've got them right where... You've got him right where you want him, basically. Yeah. Like Malkin, in the regular season, five goals in four games against Washington, uh, been limited to just one of each in this series. But because they have so much depth, it doesn't matter. Like Gensel had four points and two goals. Same thing with Crosby in the first two games. Kessel, two goals, one assist. Matt Cullen, two points. Uh, Cole, Mata, Hornfist, they have two points as well. Um, but if there's one thing the Caps can hang their hat on, they had Pittsburgh in a 2 nothing hole in 2009. It was in overtime of Game 3. Washington looking to take a 3 nothing series lead. Pittsburgh wins that game. They eventually come back to win this series in seven games. If the Pens give Washington any sort of a spark, there's no reason why Washington can't come back. But yeah. Washington, it goes without saying, and this is so cliche, but it goes without saying, Washington absolutely has to win Game 3 or yeah. they're done. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think Washington's definitely capable of coming back from this, um, from 2 nothing, But it's not looking good, um, or not not how they're playing currently. Holpe has to be better, um, and, you know, the scoring has to come up. So, um, it's definitely possible. Uh, it's just, I don't know if it's going to happen. I was, like, apparently uh, Ovechkin has never gone past the second round or something like that. So, never gone past the second yeah, round, nope. And he, um, 
like the Penguins and the Rangers are kind of his two biggest nemesis, or they, he always loses to those two teams. So mostly to Pittsburgh, yeah, and, yeah. So this year it's to Pittsburgh. So um, I don't know. It, it's it's weird. It's like uh, you know they they do so well in the regular season, and now it's just a disappointing team in terms of oh they uh, um, they won't get past the first, you know the second round again. But um, I think. I wouldn't say that Washington, is, like the Washington's definitely in trouble. I would say, but I don't know if they were. They're exactly like I wouldn't be surprised if they win Game Three and Game Four, and then it's a tie series. You know, it's it's one of those things where Washington is good enough to be that way. However, it's not looking good at the moment, so I don't know if they're. Um, it's one of those things where if you're a fan, you have to believe. Um, if you're a player, you really have to believe. Um, and I mean that you know you just have to remind yourself that hey, you know you're you're the president's trophy winner for a reason, um, you know, uh, and just start playing like that. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure I mean, Batman's crossing both, his fingers because for yeah. the sake of revenue, he probably wants Game Seven in this series. Yeah, exactly. And I mean that's obviously that's that's simpler said than done, but that's one of those yeah. things where. Uh, you know, watch. This is like a true test for the Washington Capitals. You know, good, t- great teams uh, come back yeah, from this. Yeah, they always have a big test, don't yeah. they? At some point, they have yeah. a big test to pass. Exactly. So the uh, so great teams come back from this, but you know, good teams are just like, eh, I don't care, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. So we'll see what they're made of. For exactly. Sure, yeah. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with that. But um, for now, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh's up two nothing. Uh, now we go to your series, Ottawa, New York Rangers. They're both kind of odd uh, games to start out. Um, so it, in game one, uh, Lundqvist was playing out of his mind. I think he shot. He saved like 40 shots or something like that. Yeah, um, over 40 in the game, yeah. Yep. Um, until, so it was, but uh, he didn't get any goal support. He only had one goal. Uh, the Rangers only had one goal that game. Um, and then, like, within the last second, or last minute, I should say, I don't know the exact second, I think you know, but, uh, Car- Eric Carlson... Only a couple of minutes, but yeah, yeah, late in the game. Um, Eric Carlson is late in the third, we should say. Yeah, um, Eric, Eric Carlson, uh, shoots from, like, the side angle, like, yeah, um... Yeah, like, from the, from like, the corner boards. Like, like an impossible angled shot, um, yeah. and somehow goes in, it was pretty fluky, but... Um, it's Eric Carlson, so anything is possible for him. Um, and so Ottawa wins game one. Um, then, uh, in game two, uh, things were, you know, Lundqvist actually did get the goal support. Um, and, uh, in fact, he got five, five goals for him, the Rangers did. Uh, Brady Shea had, like, two goals, which is odd, because he's not really a goal scorer, and he's a defenseman, but... He got two goals there. Um, and then, so it was 5-2 in the third period, and then uh, the Sens uh, scored uh, three unanswered goals to tie it. Was it. Actually, it was actually 5-3. It was 5-3. Well, it was five, I yeah, thought it was 5-2 five, five, at one point. 5-3 with less than four to go. 5-3 with less okay. than four to go. Still pretty pretty tough uh, yeah. hold to get. And then, um, and then uh, John Gabriel Peugeot happened. Uh, he, yeah. got, um, he had a goal earlier in the game. And then he got three unanswered goals, uh, two to tie it, 
and then one in overtime. So he had four goals. I think he's like, I was reading somewhere that he was like the second player ever to have four goal game in a, in a playoff history. So uh, he has that for him. Um, so yeah, so uh, it was like two opposite games, two very unlikely endings, but um, it's it's good for you guys for the Ottawa Senators. Um, and then they're going to be, the Rangers are going to be back home. Um, I was if you notice, Steve, I asked like, should Anaheim be nervous, or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna ask if Anaheim should be nervous, or if Washington's gonna be nervous. But I didn't ask if the Rangers are gonna be nervous because uh, this was both home ice for Ottawa, where it wasn't for Washington or Anaheim. But having said that, should the Rangers be nervous? Well, first of all, let's get to the home ice part. Uh, yeah, games one and two should have been played at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, I probably. say this as a Sens fan. <laughs> Rangers have four more points than Ottawa in the regular season. They should have home ice. Yep. Not the seeding. They should have home ice. I would and agree with that. why they don't have home ice is beyond me. I'll gladly take it, but it's beyond me. Uh, the yeah. NHL should really fix that. If, if the situation well, arises, the better team should, should have home ice. It should be the, uh, they should go back to the old way with the one versus eight system. But well, yeah, just like <laughs> top eight straight up. I mean, no that, that's, that's really eight. why it's 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 like this. But yeah, you're right. But they want division rivals. I can yeah. understand that. But, but still, in, a division in these rival. circumstances, yeah. in these circumstances, if a wild card team is yep. better than the um, the team that should have uh, home ice, yep. then wildcard team should have the you know, home games. That's you know, I mean. if the Rangers win this uh, this series, they are technically the Atlantic Division winner. How about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. Was wasn't uh, wasn't the weren't they in the original Atlantic Division? Uh. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Before they changed everything. Yeah, they were. <laughs> so I guess it would be too odd. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> they they want it back. Yeah. Yeah. About yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, they have a lot of catching up to do. So, anyways, uh, just a little breakdown of game one. As you mentioned, King Henrik was on Fuego. Uh, the shots were 12-3, Ottawa in the first 10 minutes, 21-12 to in the opening frame. And even their power play, which has been doing jack all the entire season, the entire playoffs, gets nine shots on goal in the first period alone. And Ottawa had several grade-A scoring chances to blow this game wide open. But King Henrik was a beast. He stopped everything. Uh, twice he denied Mark Stone on his belly. You'll probably see that on the saves of the year. Um it was one of those periods, if you're a Sens fan, you just didn't want it to end because they generated so much momentum, and it was arguably their best period of the playoffs. Um, and they were generating so much momentum, they got nothing to show for it. Uh, but they could have easily been up one nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing. Instead, it was scoreless. And, you know, when a goalie's playing out of his mind like that, you, you kind of wonder, you know, who's going to blink first? Because, you know, Anderson, he faced 12 shots in the first, but he wasn't nearly tested as much as Lundqvist was. He had to come up big in certain occasions, but, you know, King Henrik was being overworked uh, big time in the first period. And then, of course, you know, when a goalie plays out of his mind like that, you, you almost wonder, okay, is the, uh, is the other team who's getting badly outshot going to score first? And that's exactly what happened in this, in this instance. Um, the Sens in the final 40 minutes, they get 22 shots, um, one more than the 21 shots they had in the first period alone. So the Rangers were able to tighten it up defensively. They're able to adapt to Boucher's attack. Um, but late in the second period, Ryan Dezingle ties it on the power play. 
And then the third, of course, that superhuman play from Captain Carlson, uh, stepping up like he always does. And how he's, how he's able to do all this and play with two hairline fractures in his heel is oh, beyond yeah. uh, I was going to talk about that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just the guy makes it so easy and effortless. You just sit back and appreciate the raw talent he has, and you realize, man, it's just his world and we're all living in it. And it's, it's just uh, tremendous to see. Uh, and people forget he was drafted 15th overall in 2008. In the top five, the Leafs picked Luke Shen. How much do they regret that? Right. And then the well, Kings, I mean, I think everyone who picked before Eric Carlson is, is regretting that. Yeah, well, how about, <laughs> how about this here? Kings select Colton Tuber 13th overall, two picks before Carlson. Second overall, they picked Drew Doughty. They could have had Doughty yeah. and Carlson on the same team. Oh, that's a good point. And then I'm going to look at this Preds, draft quickly. Hold on. The right. Preds traded their 15th overall pick to Ottawa for their uh, for their 18th selection. They selected a goalie named Chet Pickard, who hasn't really made a name for himself in the NHL. And Otto, of course, picked Carlson with that. So they could have had Weber and Carlson playing on the same team in Nashville. So he could have gone to Toronto, could have been going to L.A., he could have been going to Nashville. Yeah. Instead, he's in Ottawa, and we like it that Although, way. Although, I'm looking here, so at the 2008 entry draft when... NHL draft where Eric Carlson was taken. Yeah. Um, Speaking Ottawa, I was actually there to witness. There was only three players who were taken ahead of Carlson that you could arguably say is uh, should still, you know, could be better than Carlson. Uh, Stamkos for the yeah. Lightning, Drew Doughty for the Kings, and Peter Angelo for the Blues. Um, yeah. Everyone else is kind of like, they're kind of like making names for themselves, but not really... Uh, you Shouldn't probably be would drafted rather. where they were, kind yeah. of thing, yeah. Exactly. Although I I think Eric Carlson might be better than Stamkos, um, just from a durability standpoint. But Yeah, um, durability for sure. Like, yeah, he's been I less think, injury-prone. I think Tampa Bay might want Eric Carlson. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah that, Carlson and Hedman, man, that would just be deadly. Yeah, that would be deadly. Sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, so game two, like the Boston series, this is a game I'm not going to – I'm not – Shy admitting at all. This is a game we should have lost. Yep. Like, Ottawa's power play did jack all. Uh, got back to being their power play. They even gave up two shorthanded goals in the game. And they were also outshot 48-34 to 34 to make matters worse. Um, I think it was about, they had, Ottawa had about like 20 shots uh, from um, the first period to the third period. 19-10 uh, to 10 the second period, they were outshot. They gave up three goals in that period. Um, you look at uh, the, some of the Rangers' stat lines. McDonough has two assists, finishes with 11 hits. Girardi blocks five shots. Brady Shea, as you mentioned, pair of goals. It should have been tied 1-1 heading into Broadway. But, again, the hat killer back at it again. Less than four to go. Scores off a redirect, make it 5-4. Again, redirect in front of the net, makes it 5-5. Goalie pulled, 64 seconds left. Then we go to double overtime, the second one the Sens have been a part of this year. And Pajot rifles one high glove on Lundqvist to give uh, the Sens a 2-0 series lead, his fourth of the game, which makes me wonder what Joe Thornton would have done had he scored four goals in a playoff game. Yeah. Um, but Pajot, his monster game didn't really surprise me because this guy led the Sens in scoring with two goals and three assists in three games versus the Rangers this year. So he knows how to score against. He's also players. a. Uh, he's also pretty been pretty good in the playoffs with that uh, Montreal Canadiens yeah, series he had that a couple years ago. Yeah, against yeah. Montreal. Yeah, 
So um, it, still, it amazed me how much of a force he was in this hockey game. There was actually a shorthanded chance um, in the um, in the third period before he got his second of the game, where he just missed on a on a beauty pass from Stahlberg. So he could have this game could have been ended in regulation. He'd still have four goals. So that's how much of a force he was. Um, and it was just one of those periods where Ottawa needed to make a statement. They because from the first period on, the second period on, they were destined to lose. But in those couple of minutes, they got it together. They got two goals to tie it, and then they won it in overtime. So I can only hope that applies to this series. But a part of me thinks that. Uh, New York isn't going to go away quietly um, because um, as loud as the CTC was, a part of me thinks that Madison Square Garden is going to be even louder than that. Yeah. Um, Although and this, this, and this game is one they can't afford to lose, yeah. which, which means this is going to be a desperate hockey team. Add to the fact that the New York Rangers are three, seven and two in their last 12 home games against Ottawa. The last two times they've lost at home against Ottawa, they've been shut out. Um, it's a tough scenario for the Rangers to be in. And King Henrik needs to be like he was in game one because he was the reason why the Rangers had a shot to win game one. And at some points you could argue maybe they should have held on to win game one. He was also the reason they lost game two because the Rangers did everything for King Henrik to win this hockey game in game two. And King Henrik wasn't brutal, but he just didn't make that big save when they needed it. So you can be sure that uh, when your team scores five goals, it's a game you got to win and you don't win it, you can be sure he's going to be extra motivated to avoid a 3 nothing deficit. Um, but it concerns me at the same time that when King Hendricks' teammates weren't able to score more than five goals in any of their wins over Montreal in the first round, what makes you wonder they're going to repeat their Game 2 performance in Game 3? Right. So Ottawa's got a real good chance to put this team away. Did you know that the Rangers have the eighth worst home record this season? Yeah, I, Although, I've, heard, I've heard that um, the only way they can win games at home is by one or two goals, and yep. King Henrik has to play out of his mind, and yep. yes, their home ice has been an issue. Although, they do have a winning record. They are 21-16-4. Yeah. I just read that somewhere, that they were, they were really bad at home, and then I just went to look, and it's like, oh, they actually are kind of bad. But it's still, like, not a terrible record, 21. Not terrible, yeah, but I'm sure other teams important. have better records. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the best one is uh, Pittsburgh, which is their 31-6-4 at home. Um, well, more reason for the Caps to be concerned. Exactly. Okay. Well, the Caps are the second-best home team with 32-7-2. and two. Uh, Okay, so. well, something's going to give. <laughs> so, Either Pittsburgh so, starts losing at all, so, or they keep it just shows that playoffs are a different animal. Even exactly. So. Regular but, season media. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking that up just because I was curious. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, those, those were apt uh, comparisons and stuff um, and analysts there. Um, obviously, you've been watching more of this game than I have, so um, I'll take your word for all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, the Rangers have home ice, um, so they have... Um, you know, they have a chance to, uh, tie it and, uh, you know, it'll, once it's two, two, it's, it's, you know, it's just a three game series. It's anyone's game. So, um, you know, that, that's, that goes without saying for Pittsburgh and Washington series and the Anaheim Edmonton series that we're going to be talking about soon. So it's like the team that's down two nothing needs to win game three. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So, 
Um, and Longquist has to be better. It's, it's one of those things, though, where just from an outsider's perspective, it's like, like I don't even know if the Ottawa should have won Game One, even with that, with what Eric Carlson was doing, you know. So it was. It's one of those things where, and you know, Peugeot, like you know, New York, kind of faltered, or not kind of faltered. They did falter at the end in Game Two, so. Uh, they choked that lead. Um, so, but did, did you also notice the fact that four of Ottawa's six wins have come in overtime, and that yeah. all eight of their games have been one goal games? But a win's a win, like you that's, know. That's how much of it. That's how yeah. close these playoffs are. Yeah. The Sens have the, no. the the best record yeah. other than Edmonton in the playoffs, and yet all of their games have been one goal games. Yeah, exactly. A win's a win, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's. Oh, although I think Nashville has the best playoff record um, so far, they only they've only yeah, lost one game. They, they, they do, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you're right. It's like like yeah, the uh, Ottawa just finds a way to win, however dirty it is. Not dirty. I don't know what the right gritty it is. I guess is the yeah. better word to say. It's um, the never say die attitude. It's yeah. really bailed them out. So so yeah, I have to give them credit for that. But at the same time, it's like. You know, their luck has to run out sometime, right? Um, so, but, you know, at the same time, it's like whatever's working for them, you know, it, it's it's working for a reason. So, I don't know what's going on with the Ottawa Senators. It's one of those things where I can't really predict. Like, I think they're, I always, I thought this was going to be an easy series for the Rangers, but it looks like it's not going to be, so... Um, it should also be noted, uh, if if past means anything, this is yeah. only the second time Ottawa's held a two nothing lead in any series. So, well, okay. Well. The good news is the only other time they did that was in two thousand seven Eastern Conference Finals against Buffalo, and of course we all know what happened then. They went to the finals. Right. So. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it should be. I mean, it should be interesting to see what's going to happen. But um, yeah, the Rangers have to pick things up for sure. Um. That's obvious analyst there. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, we like uh, to keep it simple here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what the Rangers need to do is win more games. That's that's yeah. what they need to do. Um, they need to score more. <laughs> they need eight goals a game. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting, too, because game one was, like, you know, a low-scoring game. It was yeah, just a battle game. between Craig yeah, Anderson and Henrik Lundqvist. And then, you know, it was just, like, a fluky goal at the end there. And then in Game 2, it was, like, the exact opposite. Just, like, five goals, and then it's, like, a 6-5 finish, you know, where, um, you know, the defense stinks. So uh, it's it should be interesting. Um, I think, um, I don't know if you mentioned this, but Clark MacArthur, I think, is injured as well. Yeah, day-to-day with an upper yeah. body injury. I hope it's not concussion, but they're saying lower bo- uh, upper body injury. So yeah. we'll have to see uh, what happens there. Now, I did stumble across this stat, though. Wait, um, wait. Before before you go, uh, should like um, isn't this kind of on Ottawa for even allowing him to play? Because, like, he had all these concussion symptoms, and now he's, like, leaving the game, and he's listed as day-to-day when he, you know, like, he's making matters worse by, he was making matters worse by playing. Yeah, it's, it, it it's, it's kind of tough uh, to, to, to really, to, uh, you know, it, <laughs> 
I'm like, sorry to know, put you in this every, position. Every game, every game for Clark MacArthur is a risk. Yeah. Like when he came back late in the regular season, it was a risk to have yeah. him back. So, you know, it's one of those things that, if, you know, on, on the one hand, you you wish you. I mean, I guess like, you're right. It's like hindsight is 2020. The coaches are praying he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. There is hindsight is 2020. Like you know, like of course you couldn't, like you know, you couldn't foresee that he's going to get injured again. But at the same time, you know, this is you know he had concussion injuries. They told him that he was going to miss the rest of the season, like the first time around. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where you know he's 32 years old. It's not like he's some young spry young chicken here, so it's, yeah. um, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird thing, I mean, it obviously worked out for you guys, you got the game winner against my Bruins, but, um, yeah. you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm like, eh, I don't know, if maybe it wasn't the smartest decision to put him out there. But, but again, it's upper body injury, we don't know if it's a concussion, so yeah. well, hopefully it's not, we'll see what happens now. I could no, I'm not saying that. it's I, an upper, like, I'm not saying it's a concussion, but yeah. it's like, you know. That's the first thing that comes to mind with upper body injury, given his history, you know? True, But uh, Now, I couldn't find this stat, but there was a stat that I stumbled across, um, and it showed how many times the Rangers uh, tried to get the puck out, Rangers defensemen tried to get the puck out of their own zone, uh, how many times they successfully got it out, and how many times they had possession of the puck when they got it out. And... Uh, I don't remember some of the stats off the top of my head, but there was one scenario, I think, where one of the players had, like, at least 10 chances to get it out, and they had, I think, six or eight times they were successful, and they only had possession of it twice. So those numbers, in my opinion, need to improve in Game 3 for the Rangers. If it doesn't, then, uh, again, more cause for concern if I'm New York. Yep. Just want to throw it up. All right, that's fine. Uh, Edmonton, Anaheim. Edmonton's up to nothing. Uh, Cam Talbot's pretty good. Um, This is a common theme here. Uh, Goalies are pretty good. Um, (laughs) Nine. Goaltending to win the playoffs. Hockey cliche. Yeah, 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 I know. Um, He is a nine thirty four. He has a nine thirty four save percentage. Um, He seems he's pretty much unstoppable. It seems like. Um, but, uh, he, uh, I think I was just quickly looking here. I think he's only given up like two goals from the ducks. Um, I think both, uh, no, uh, four, uh, four, four, yeah, okay. uh, four. Yeah. yeah. It was five, three game one, four, uh, two to one, uh, for Edmonton in game two. Okay. So yeah. And he's like, and he's played, uh, we should also mention that he played 73 games uh, in the regular season. Yeah. He's played all eight um, postseason games, um, or he's played in all eight postseason games. Um, and uh, he, uh, yeah, so he's, you know, that's more than a typical goaltender tends to play. Um, but, yeah, four, four goals against uh, the Ducks. But, um yeah, he's been pretty good. Uh, he had 40 shots on net in Game 2 um, yep. and 36 shots on, in Game 1. Um, so, uh, Dreisaitl has four points the first game. 
Um, and Adam Larson had uh, two goals the first game as well. Um, I think it was his first multi-goal game of his yeah, career. Even in the like playoff. Uh, he, he got the game-winning goal as well there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Anaheim, um, John Gibson hasn't been as great as he was um, in the first series. But, he looked ordinary. Yeah, he, look, he looks ordinary. Um, and, of course, this is going to be one of those things where um, I'm going to ask you if Anaheim should be nervous, and I think I know what you're going to say. So, uh, should Oh, and Cam Fowler is back, um, by the way. Oh. Or he returned. Um, but uh, So should Anaheim uh, be nervous? Well, they got Cam Fowler back, and they're down 2 nothing. Uh, yep. maybe. Uh, <laughs> just looking at game one, I, I noticed he got the an physical ass- Cam Fowler got history. an assist uh, the last game. So. Okay. So in the first game, Lucic, Latestu, and Cassian, they did a good job of getting underneath the duck skin or ruffling their feathers, yep. whatever pun you want to <laughs> uh, insert in the series opener. Uh, when Anaheim pushed Edmonton around, they weren't afraid to push back. They were having none of it. When the Oilers needed a spark, these guys delivered – even if it wasn't on the score sheet, they were always doing something to energize the team. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, Larson had a big game in Game 1. Uh, and you look at Dreisaitl. So since Game 5 of the Sharks series, the first four games of the Sharks series, he had zero points. He has seven points in his last four games, uh, including, of course, four points in um, the first game of this series. Um, and then you look at Cam Talbot, of course. Um demonstrated why he should have been nominated for the Vezina, even though it's tough, should have been nominated. Uh, second year with the organization, he makes 39 saves, gives his team a 2 nothing series lead, 2-1 to one, one win again. Penalty kill Achilles healed, though. Each of their first six games, they've given up at least one power play goal. In game one, they gave up two of those. They gave up two to the Oilers. In uh, game two, they gave up one as well. In their four-game series with Calgary, they gave up six, and three of those came in game three. If Anaheim has any hope of coming back in this series, they need to play smarter. They can't take penalties. And another thing that I've also noticed is that even though he didn't really do much on the score sheet in game two, Connor McDavid was still deadly because yeah. I noticed him buzzing around the net in the second period. He he was always finding a way to get chances, even if they were doing a good, even if the Ducks defense were doing a good job of you know, um, getting in his way, they still had to puck watch. They still had to watch Connor McDavid and what that what he might do, you know. So yep. all their attention is focused on McDavid. That opens up time and space for, you know, guys like Adam Larson, guys like Leon Dreisaitl, guys like Milan Lucic, guys like Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, guys like Jordan Eberle, guys that now have more opportunities to put the puck in the net. And... Connor McDavid hasn't really been a dominant force in this series, but everyone else has been able to do their work for Edmonton. And that's what a guy like Connor McDavid does. So absolutely, out of... I think Anaheim should be as concerned as Washington, in my opinion. They need Game 3. They need it badly. And if the Oilers get Game 3 in their home building, you can be sure Game 4 is going to be packed, it's going to be loud, and it's going to be really, really tough for Edmonton, uh, for Anaheim to get back in this series. So Edmonton, the ball is in their court. What they do with this 2 nothing series lead is up to them. And I think this series is Edmonton's for the taking. And I think if Anaheim comes back to win this, yeah. it's more Edmonton's fault than it is Anaheim pulling off a comeback. Because uh, Edmonton, in my opinion, uh, 
regardless of what the shot clock says, I think Anna, uh, I think Edmonton's earned the right to be up two nothing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Edmonton's been playing really well um, this series um, and in the entire playoffs for sure. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily over again. I mean, I'm going to say this for <laughs> the third time. Um, this isn't over until, uh, you know, camp, you know, uh, Anaheim could just as easily come back from this. Um, you know, Anaheim was ranked number one in the Pacific for a reason. They're, it's not like they're, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, it l- looked that decimated, but, um, you know, John That's Gibson true, has... That's Nashville swept yeah. the best team in the West, though. Yeah. Nashville swept the best. Yeah, that's true. Well, the, Chicago's a little different, though, because Chicago didn't play that well um, in all of April. Um, and, you know, it's it's a different team, but they, they just weren't playing well. Um, so, I mean, Anaheim was hot at, towards the end of the regular season. Um, I don't know. I, I could see it happening where Anaheim comes back from this. So... Um, you know, just John Gibson has to play well. Ryan Getzlev, Corey Perry, Ricard Raquel, um, uh, Jacob Silverberg, all those get depth guys from the Ducks um, have to, you know, get going. Like, like, But they have to win Game 3. They have to win yeah. Game 3. They have to win Game 4. Um, and otherwise, I don't think they have a shot. But the fact that, that yeah. the fact that they haven't had to face much adversity also yep. concerns me. Because just, didn't they didn't they end the season on a fourteen game streak yeah, where they fourteen game win streak? And, yeah, and, they, and then they sweep uh, then they sweep uh, Calgary in four straight. Right, and they fought the first two against Edmonton. Like Edmonton was pushed around a little bit by San Jose. Yeah, who went well, who went to the finals. And they got through that. Yeah, so I think that's even more reason for concern if you're Anaheim as well. The fact that the Oilers know how to come back from adversity, and yet you guys haven't faced adversity for the better part of the last six to eight weeks. Yeah, but at the same time, they like they've won fourteen straight games. It's not like they're like terrible. I, that's why I wouldn't call it like over. Like I feel like they can turn things around and you know uh, figure things yeah, out. But they I've have seen to. It's or they should be concerned though. Yeah, they should be concerned for sure. I, I be, they just have to do it like tonight or. Uh, I think this afternoon. I think they play, but um, yeah. So, so I guess you'll find out uh, yeah. if they're back in the series or not by the time you're, right, you're exactly, listening exactly. to this, folks. Yeah, that's that's my point. It's like I see. The thing is, is I wouldn't call any of these series over. Um, no, because no, I feel like the Rangers, the Ducks, and the Capitals have to win Game Three if they want to stay in the series, um, and they are certainly capable of it. But the question now is, can they? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen. Uh, Nashville and St. Louis is the only series that's 1-1. Um, it's tied 1-1. Uh, there is um, uh, actually, I'll get to Millberry in a second, but uh, let's go with uh, P.K. Subban had uh, three points in the first game. Uh, Nashville looked like, uh, um, pretty good. They kept on, they seemed to be pretty hot, uh, remained pretty hot. And then the next game was, uh, the Blues came back, um, 
there. Uh, Tarasenko had uh, two goals in the second game, um, one to uh, tie it, one to win it. Um, so yeah, the Blues looked pretty good in that series. So this will be an. It was kind of like a it felt like a momentum changer kind of thing. Um, this is uh, something that's only go, uh, that was only shown in American televisions. So, uh, so if you're in Canada, this may be the first time you're hearing this. But um, PK Subban uh, is uh, quite a polarizing character, which I think people in Canada know that. Um, but he was uh, so during the pregame show uh, at Game Two, he was uh, the camera showed PK Subban like dancing a little, just getting loose for warmups. He was like practicing with the puck, doing stick handling drills, and all that stuff. Then uh, Mike Milbury, uh, if you don't know him, he's the NBC uh, TV analyst for hockey um, for NBCSN. Um, the Better known in Ottawa as the guy who gave us Spezza yeah. and Chera. Well, I was getting to that. He, uh, <laughs> you know, as a player, he was on the Boston Bruins, and he was he's most infamously known as the guy who beat up a fan. Uh, he went into the stands and beat up a fan with a shoe. Oh, yeah, the shoe incident, yeah. He also, um, he was, as uh, Stephen was alluding to, he was also a terrible GM. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he traded, he GM. traded the, uh, to the Ottawa Senators, uh, Zdeno Ochara, and uh, you said someone else, uh, for Yashin, basically. Um, so, oh, and Roberto Luongo as well. I think he traded him oh, away, yeah. too. Oh, yeah, there was that mix. Um, so, yeah, he wasn't a great GM either. Um, he's really not that great of a uh, guy. Um, he's, you know, he's kind of like a Michael Felger in the wet, in the sense that he, uh, he just has these opinions that he knows, uh, everyone hates, but this one is just uninformed because, uh, during, when, uh, they showed PK Subban just dancing and doing these like pregame ritual things, he, uh, he called him a clown and this is like something that Nashville should be worried about. Um, like, you know, this is a big game and all that stuff. And then, meanwhile, P.K. Subban, like, you know, had three points in the first game. Um, it's not like he's, like, not taking anything seriously. Second of all, this is definitely has some racial undertones. Like, if this was, uh, Patrick Laine doing something or Patrick, um, I'm trying to think of, like, Austin Matthews, you know, if this was, uh, Jack Eichel, um, any American white person... Um, he, you know, he would be like, oh, yeah, he's dancing, you know, or whatever. But this is, you know, any time, like, you know, so P.K. Subban can't be, like, doing pregame warm-ups. Like, it's just, it's, just uh, it's, it's nuts. This is what, uh, this is what, uh, you know, hockey analyst is today. But, um, it's a controversy now because uh, Milbury called him a clown. Um, and it's just has this racial undertones to it. So, um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's frustrating for sure. Uh, coming from yeah, someone Mike here. Milbury has gotten to the point where everything he says, yeah. if there's any big deal of it, I just toss in the trash and go, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, care. exactly. This is what we should do. Who cares what that guy thinks? It, it, it's um, what we should do. Um, so, yeah, which is fair, we'll just ignore it. I think the fact that Nashville was in the second round one year against Phoenix, and there was yeah. that old curfew thing with Rachel, Bob, and Kostitsin, and yeah, that yeah. pretty much threw everything in shambles, and I think yeah. that's what he was kind of alluding to, but even then, like, 
I mean, he's not going to break curfew. He, yeah. It's not know, like he, a behavior issue. He was literally no. just dick handling. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, like, he's, <laughs> it's just loose. Like, this guy had a secret handshake with Price after every yeah. win. He didn't call him a clown then, did he? No, no. I don't even know if he knows what that is. Um, he, no, if it was a can, I'd probably know what Yeah, knows. yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, though. We should ignore it. No one really cares about his opinion. But, you know, this is the... I'm just telling all you Canadians out there that if you hate any, like, broadcaster in Canada, this is, like, the top guy in America um, who gets airtime. So, um, that, that was really my whole spiel, is that this guy is literally our, uh, the, the person that NBC puts on every night. So, um, there you go. Um, but let's go to the series, though. So, uh, this is the only series that's 1-1. One, one. It's tied 1-1. One, one. Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's looking pretty good. Uh, I just mentioned that P.K. Subban has done pretty well. Um, and Tarasenko has done pretty well, too. Um, I'm sure there's other <laughs> things I can yeah, talk about. Well, I actually, yeah. we talked, we emailed back and forth about this. In the early yeah. stages of Game 1, uh, St. Louis defender Robert Bortuzzo awkwardly oh, right. checks Nashville for Kevin Fiala into the boards. Uh, 20-year-old from Switzerland does the splits unintentionally, of course, down on the ice in pain. And then Bortuzzo gives him an added shot before he skates away while he's down, and the play's blown dead shortly after that. At first, maybe it appears to be accidental. Like, it's tough to tell if it, it was just an ugly yep. play gone wrong. or Then the unnecessary shot happens. Then I, at, at the end, I wonder, okay, did he mean to do that? Did he do that on purpose? And I'm, I'm thinking if, like, just that added shot alone, I think the Department of Player Safety should have taken more of a look at it because he hasn't got suspended. He probably won't. Probably not going to get a fine or anything like that. But at the end of the day, Kevin Fiala has a fractured left femur. He needs surgery to repair it, and his playoffs are done. So, yep. um, I, I thought it was something they should have looked at a little bit. Uh, more yeah, I don't know. It's one of those. It was one of those plays where it looked intentional. Like it was like it was kind of unintentional. It looked intentional, but it was tough to tell for sure if it was intentional. Exactly. It's like inconclusive. I don't know. It seemed like the right call, but yeah, it is unfortunate. For sure. Like, it looked um, like he was, like, there wasn't much he could do, and it was just incidental contact, but, um, I don't know, maybe it was intentional. Um, I on, was on just... On the brighter side of things, yeah. uh, in that 4-3 win for Nashville, Vernon Fiddler scored his first playoff goal since 2007. Here's what the world looked like back then. Carrie Underwood was named Best New Artist at the 2007 <laughs> Grammys. Bob Barker ended his run as the host of The Price is Right. Spider-Man 3 was the highest-grossing movie of the year. The cost of the Super Bowl ad was twice as less back then. J.K. Rowling published Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows. Uh, the YouTube video, Charlie Bit My Finger, was everywhere. And Britney Spears shaved her head. So, was this? there's a pop culture lesson for you. The last time <laughs> Burton Fiddler scored a playoff goal. This was 2008? 2007. 2007. Okay. Never mind. Um, I was going to say Obama was president, was president then, but it's not. That was he was almost president. He was yeah. almost president. Um, uh, yeah, I was actually just looking at here. So game one was uh, Nashville won 4-3, yep. and game two, the Blues won 3-2. So this was one goal games. Um, I have a feeling this is going to go seven then. 
Um, yeah, I think it's very a, close I think it's a toss up. Yeah, I think it's a toss up right off the bat. It's yep. gonna go down to the wire. The Tarasenko show aired a new episode yep. again in Game Two. Two goals on six shots, not nearly as impressive as Pajot's four goals on yeah. four shots, <laughs> which makes Pajot even more of a beast. Right. But um, the other thing that's worth noting, um, the Preds couldn't get a single power play chance in Game Two. They went two for three in Game One. Uh, after getting just one power play chance in Game 1, St. Louis got five in Game 2. They scored on one of them and only generated five shots. Um, and then Nashville, in the first period, they got a goal on three shots. They went 0 for 6 in the second and then 1 for 15 in the third period. So um, it's going to be back and forth from start to finish. Uh, but if you recall, Nashville really brought the hammer down against the Hawks in Round 1 at their own barn. They they took games three and four and won the series. Uh, they need more home home cooking in round two uh, if they want to beat St. Louis. So I think uh, the next two games are going to be huge. If Nashville can can win both, um, St. Louis is going to have their work cut out for them. But again, every game is more important than the last. So it'll be interesting to see who wins game three, which will be over by the time you're finished listening to this podcast. And uh, you'll have a better indication maybe of where the series is going. Yeah, um, yeah, it's tough for me to say, although I will say that like we thought this was going to be a goalies duel because Pekka Rene and Jake Allen were so phenomenal in yeah. the first round, um, but the, you know, the, it was 4-3 in game two, uh, or game one, and 3-2 in game two, so um, maybe they're both like sliding um, in this round yeah. at the same time. So. I, I find it funny how, how uh, St. Louis was able to beat Rene um, three times. Um, uh, they were able to beat him three times, uh, equaling the Blackhawks' goal totals oh, for yeah, the yeah. four games. They, <laughs> all they needed was one game to do that. They lost, yeah, but yeah. they needed one game to get to him. So. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And it's like, it's it's kind of, it's kind of interesting that now the Blues, like, like, I was, I think I was talking about this before. It's like Jake Allen's obviously was phenomenal, and all the Blues yeah. needed to do was get their scoring up, and now they've been doing that. So uh, that could that could help them in their, um, you know, I feel like they can they have a chance now if they, you know, if Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, and all those guys continue to score, um, you know, the, I feel like the Blues might have a chance now. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, although. I, uh, I'm rooting for, it's one of those, this is one of those series where I'm, like, rooting for both teams, because, like, I feel like they're going to be underdogs, whoever um, makes I it like, out of this a, a part of me wants to see Nashville go far, because they've never been in the conference yep. finals before. Same I think way. their fans have waited a long time, and plus, you know, P.K. Yep. Subban, I'm sure that would bring a lot Yeah, of exactly. You can say, you can tell all these Habs fans that P.K., you know, you can't, yeah, like. Yeah, like, he was a fan favorite for yeah. a reason, you know. Exactly. Um, in, <laughs> Nashville might be, though. One team where both Bruins and Habs fans are rooting for, um, uh, just because of PK. Um, well, this Bruins fan, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bruins, Bru- I'm, I'm actually like happy because now I can like start to like yeah, you, you, PK you Subban. It's like it's weird. I'm like, it's like I actually kind of like PK. Um, yeah, he's not in your conference. We don't no, care what he does. Exactly. It's it's one of those. Yeah, I'm like, hey, you can uh, destroy hope for everyone else. Um, Jack, oh, that's the other thing with Milbury, it's like, there was, um, 
like he was saying how he wasn't like uh, performing in the playoffs and he wasn't like a playoff performer. But like there was like that quote where PK Subban said before Game Seven when he was playing um, the against the Bruins series where he was saying like he wants to go into the arena and hear all these people screaming and he just he can't wait to shut them up. You know, it's just like. That's not a playoff performer. It's, it's just, it's nuts. Whatever um, fuels your fire, PK. Yeah, exactly. Whatever fuels your fire. Uh, the rap, we're going to the rapid fire here. Uh, Jack Adams, uh, John Tortorella, Mike Babcock, and Tom McClellan. Um, all worthy candidates. I'm sh- you're going to say Guy Boucher should be nominated. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Guy Boucher, uh, he did... Enough to get on this list, in my opinion. Yeah. Like at the start of this I year, feel, I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know what the Sens team was. They had to overcome adversity numerous times. Right. Start with Arthur's concussion. Then you had the I feel old like, Anderson thing. Yeah. At the Mark same Mark time, Rodgers I feel thing. like I feel like all three of these players, like all three of these coaches, did a extraordinary amount to uh, get their teams into the playoffs. Um, yeah. Not not to say that Guy Boucher didn't. Um, you know, cause like, ter- like Columbus was like dead last before Torts came yep. in, ter- you know, Toronto was dead last, last year, uh, Babcock, and they made the playoffs, you know, the Oilers were, are one of the hottest teams right now, um, going into the playoffs, they, you know, they didn't make it last year. So, um, it's one of those things where I guess it's just the hotter team and this will be the, uh, probably one of those chances where Bi- Mike Babcock has never won uh, uh, Jack Adams, which is kind of a travesty because he yeah. is the best coach um, in the league years running now, and this will be his chance to actually get a Jack Adams. So Yeah, I think the tougher yeah, question is who they're going to pick to win this award. Yeah. It's a toss-up. Like I, yeah. Again, like, I think Guy Boucher should be on this list, but it's tough to take either <laughs> one of these three guys I off. I think you could, you could say maybe Torts off just because he had a bad finish at the end there, but um, at the same time, I don't know. It would be tough well, to <laughs> see. The, the, all of these three teams are playoff teams. Columbus was yep. a top five team. Um, the Leafs were dead last. Yep. They took the best team in the league to five overtimes, won two of them. They had 69 but points was, last year. They had the first yeah. overall pick. Uh, they have 95 points on a playoff team. The Oilers in the second round. Nobody was sure if they get a playoff spot. They had 70 right. points last year, second to last in the NHL. They had a top five pick. Yep. They had under three points this year. And then the Jackets, again, a bottom five team in the league a year ago, 76 points and a lottery pick, 108 points this year, top five team. And, you know, they they went up against Pittsburgh in the first round. It's it's tough to beat a team like Pittsburgh. (laughs) Well, well, first of all, uh, this was was voted on before the playoffs, so they didn't know all that stuff. But secondly, yeah, like like you were saying, Columbus – Toronto, Edmonton were all like one of the worst teams last season. Yeah. Ottawa, didn't they like finish thirteenth? Yeah, they they yeah. weren't far off from being a playoff team. And they, 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 and they, the and they had the resources team. to be a playoff yeah. team. So I think that may have played into it. Like if Ottawa was even worse last year, I think yeah. Boucher would be in. Um, yeah. Canucks uh, hire Travis Green. Um, he is an AHL coach. He's uh, he's he was pr- pretty good for them. Um, I think you were telling me the statistic, like how like he's 
gotten to, like the Calder Cup twice in a row or something like that? Well, um, he actually uh, <laughs> in 2012-2013 before he was named that coach of the Utica Comets, yeah. uh, he was a rookie behind the bench in Portland with the Winter Hawks. Uh, they won the WHL title. This is junior hockey. They went all the way to the Memorial Cup Finals in 2013. They lost to Halifax. Yep. And I believe Seth Jones was on that team, actually. Okay. Uh, and not long after that, he was hired to coach Vancouver's AHL team in Utica. In just his second season with the Comets, they went to the Calder Cup Finals, also finished first in their division and first in their conference that year. Uh, and as a player, Travis Green, I remember his days with the Leafs. He always annoyed me. This is a guy who could score 15 to 20 goals a year. He could also get under your skin. That fits the Canucks system pretty well. And again, much like the Bruins with Bruce Cassidy, this team has a ton of young players that he's coached in the AHL. And a lot of those guys are on Vancouver's roster today. And those guys include Jakob Markstrom, Sven Berchi, Ben Hutton, Bo Horvat, Jordan Subin, Jake Vertanen. And if it paid off well for the Bruins, I guess the Canucks' philosophy is, hey, why not not here in Vancouver? Why can't we do I feel like uh, this is a trend that's going uh, from, like, Mike Sullivan. Um, yeah, but, Jeff you know. Blashold in Detroit, too. But, however, I will. I, I do know what you're saying, that there are, like, Bruce Cassidy's and Mike Sullivan's and all, all these guys who, uh, you know, came from Bruce Boudreau um, a long time ago um, when he was in Washington. Um, you know, the guys who come up from the HL, they know all the young players and they, you know, they're good guys and whatnot, but Willie Desjardins, um, the former Vancouver Canucks was also an AHL coach, um, and knows all these young guys. So it's, it's one of those things where it, like, it could work out for them. It could not work out for them as well. Cause it's, um, you know, uh, it is possible that uh, this couldn't work out for them. You know, it just depends on if he's a good coach or not. Yeah. Um, Scott Darling to the Carolina Hurricanes for a 2017 third-round pick. Darling will be a uh, UFA July 1st, so this is pretty much just Carolina gets negotiating rights um, before July 1st for them. I assume they'll sign him um, pretty soon. Um, their wise, they will. I mean, yeah. you look at his record, 18-5-5 five and five in his final year with the Hawks, 2.38 yeah. goals against average. Uh, lack, you know, he was pretty good at the end of the year, but yep. inconsistent. Uh, Cam Ward, same deal. Yeah, um, he's also you know, 32. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and Cam Ward uh, getting up there in age. So, um, Darling's probably going to be their guy, and he should be their guy. Yep. because he uh, deserves... He filled an Abram late for Crawford and, and really yep. saved the Hawks on a couple occasions. Yeah, I agree. He deserves a chance to be uh, uh, the first, you know, a starter in in some capacity somewhere. So he could, he could be the next Martin Jones, yeah. the guy who played behind a really good goalie on a lot of playoff teams and just gets a chance and makes the most of it. So. Yep. Um, yeah, I I would assume they'll get. Yeah, Cam Ward is thirty three. Uh, I'm just looking at their cap friendly page. Cam Ward and Eddie Lack both have one more year left on their contract, but um, but Cam Ward has a no trade clause, um, and Eddie Lack is 29. They're also so, going to have to protect one of their goalies too. Yeah. Should also be noted for the expansion draft. Well, so. I'd assume they'd protect Scott Darling then, wouldn't they? Well, yeah. In which case, <laughs> uh, they're probably going to have to do something with Cam Ward, right? Right, right. That's true. They would probably have to trade one of them. Um, one of Cam Ward or Eddie Lack, but yeah, this is a this is a good deal for them. I like it, but uh, um, it's yeah. also like it's like 
considering all the other places that he could have gone to, like Dallas or yeah. um, Calgary, Philly. You know, those are places that need goalies, but, like, this is one of those places that, you know, Carolina's always has been, like, irrelevant. Even when they won the Cup, people are like, oh, yeah, Carolina has a team, you know? So it's it's one of those things where there's no pressure for Carolina um, here, but um, at the same time, there is kind yeah. of pressure. But I, I think that could yeah. help uh, Darling uh, as yeah. well. This is, also the second, point, yeah. this is also the second time in as many years where Chicago and Carolina have traded in the offseason. If you remember, Chicago traded yep. Teravainen and Bickle to uh, yeah. the Hurricanes uh, last offseason. Yeah, the Hurricanes and the Blackhawks have like a relationship going on. Yeah. But uh, speaking of Carolina, I mean Chicago, Mike Kitchen, the assistant coach of the Blackhawks, um, was fired. Um and uh, Joel Quenville, Quenville is uh, reportedly pissed off at this because um, I guess they were good buddies. Um, yeah, actually, when he was the coach in St. Louis, Kitchen was his assistant for yep. a few years. And they, I think they were like teammates when they played hockey together and something like that. So, um, But yeah, uh, this is one of those things where I feel like this might be just like a warning to Quenville. Like, hey, we're going to fire your assistant coach. Um, and if you don't get things together, yeah, you, could be next. you could be next. This is what they did to uh, Claude Julien. So um, the Bruins did to Claude Julien. So uh, um, it could be something like Quenville could be out in the market soon. We'll see. If you think it's got more to do with offense and defense, I'll, I'll bring out some stats here. In 2010-2011, that was the first uh, year that Kitchen was an assistant. Yeah. Uh, the Blackhawks' defense went from 13th overall in goals against per game to 22nd, 1st, 12th, 2nd, 11th, and 11th. Their penalty kill during that same time frame went from 25th in Kitchen's first year to 27th, 3rd, 19th, 10th, 22nd, and 24th. And in his first year and his second to last year, Chicago was a top-five power play team. Yep. Outside of those two years, their power play wasn't in the top 10, and sometimes their power play was even in the bottom 10. So, if this firing has more to do with special teams and defense, I strongly disagree. Because they won two Stanley Cups with subpar grades on the special teams front. It didn't matter. Yep. They still won two Stanley Cups with Mike Kitchen. Uh, and their special teams, their defense wasn't, you know, lights out fantastic all the time. Um, this is a team, the fact of the matter is, they're expected to be in the hunt for a Stanley Cup every single year. And when your team gets knocked out, like I said last week, if your team is knocked out in the first round in back-to-back years, you got to do something. And this was the wake-up call. And Joel Quenville might not like it, but this is absolutely a warning sign. He could yep. be next if they have another year like this. Yeah, um, that's a good point. I, it would be, it would be, I assume Daryl Sutter will be... Uh, Will go somewhere, but yeah, it'd be weird if like a lot of team speed it would be weird too. if like both Quenville and Sutter were on the market at the same time. But I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Uh, Bruins hire uh, Bruce Cassidy. They removed um, as their coach. They removed the interim tag here. Um, I think as it, the, the great thing about this podcast is you can see my progression on how I feel about this. Um, at the moment, I like this deal. I think he deserves a sh- I, he deserves a shot to be, um, you know, to see what he does in a full season. Full he has a full off season to get ready. Um, 
Um, I'm li- I liked how we finished. Um, I, you know, I've never been more proud of this team. Um, however, at the same time, I am kind of worried about what, like, maybe, like, what's going to happen, um, you know, in the long term. Um, yeah, I, I'm because not, it's one yeah. thing to come in mid-season and yeah. do what you did. Now you got to do it in the full season and yeah. then the year after that and the year after that yeah. until they tell you you can't work here anymore, right? Right. So that's the biggest test is how they respond in a full season. That, that, that's that's the only question mark for me is like, yeah, he's he did great for the short term and I was all for it. I was all for this youth movement. Um, yeah. But um, if he can sustain it for a full year, that's going to be the true test to see if he's actually a good coach and if he was the right coach to have. Um I mean, I would have liked to see them at least interview Sutter, but um, I think it, he has the advantage. Cassidy had the advantage of, you know, knowing the organization, knowing all these young players, and yeah. um, which is something that Sutter couldn't do. So um, not who you are, it's who you know. Exactly, and and also Sutter is, like has the same kind of coaching style as Claude Julian, so yeah. it's well, like you know yeah. the same style that you're trying to get rid of. So. Um, it, it makes sense in that regard, but um, we'll see if this works out for them. Um, I, he uh, he also this is a little of a Bruin send segment here. He um, he also was interviewed on radio, not Michael Felger, um, <laughs> a different guy, uh, Tosher and Rich, I think, where he said that a he uh, didn't like uh, he doesn't like the Habs. So this he he no, loves right. he, um so he thought that he was perfect for the job, which I love. Um, also he uh, he said he was talking about Ryan Spooner, and uh, they asked him like because uh, Ryan Spooner was uh, famously benched and in for Sean Corrali during that yeah. serious thing, and he said that uh, he hasn't. Like, Claude Julien didn't like Ryan Spooner because of his defensive game, and he didn't like Ryan Spooner because of his offensive game. Um, although he later clarified that, you know, Ryan Spooner has been working and he has been developing, so it's one of those things where maybe Ryan Spooner uh, will be going to, like, Vegas or will be going, um, won't be resigned uh, this offseason, which will be something that we'll have to pay attention to. Um, but... Um, we'll see here. Uh, speaking of other Bruins players, Patrice Bergeron reportedly played the entire season with a sports hernia. Um, he's still nominated for a Selkie. Probably would will win. I don't want to be too presumptuous, though. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> um, if he had a down year, though, um, in that regard. But, uh, well, my explain yeah, is a slow start hernia. to the year, and even then he got yep. 41 points in his final 43 games, only missed yep. three games the entire year. Still one of the best face-off takers in the yep. league. Um, Just like he's an automatic face-off This is also a guy who played, if you remember, in yep. Game 6 of the 2013 Finals. He played through a broken nose, broken ribs, separated shoulder, and a punctured yep. one. So, um, he's this, a tough customer. This sense, like, I... It's like, playoffs are one thing. Like, I get that whole, like, 2013 playoff thing. And, like, yeah, like, you should be playing your entire... Every game for the, for the playoffs. Like, this is one of those things where, like, as a Bruins fan, you're you're just like, why didn't he just get checked up on beforehand, you know? It's it's not like, just say you were injured. You didn't have to play injured. I don't, I don't know. It was, it's a little weird. Um, 
Joe Thornton also had a MCL and an ACL tear in the playoffs. Um, so he was playing while hurt. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Game three through six of the Oilers Shark series, he played through that. Um, the, he had surgery on his left knee to repair the damage. Surgery might also be an option for Patrice Bergeron, so yep. that's to be determined. But, I mean, the, the glaring fact, uh, the glaring part about the Thornton stuff is that, you know, when he was asked about, you know, a week left in the regular season, he was good for the playoffs. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Torn ACL and MCL. <laughs> How is there no doubt that yeah. he can play through that? Yeah. Like, that's insanity. Cool. NHL players are crazy. With, like, Eric Carlson as well, as you mentioned earlier in this podcast, but it's like, you know, they, they I guess there's just this mentality to play injured uh, yeah. for some reason. Yeah, warrior and, mentality. Screw yeah, it's just, but, like, it, it's it's just stupid when you really think about it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we'll and if see. you win the cup, I guess it's all worth it to them. Right, right. Well, it's, it's kind of, I didn't really talk about it, but it's kind of strange that Eric Carlson disclosed his injury now, like. Now yeah. all the Ranger players are going to be like, oh, he has weak knees now. Let's get at his knees. So you find his weak spot, you know? So his Achilles heel, if you will. But it's, <laughs> you know, it's it's just the, uh, it's it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I admit, it's something I, I haven't seen often, though. Right. It's just, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I, I get it. Like, you do want your players to play, but... At the same time, it's like if if you're not a hundred percent, why are you even trying? You know, why are you playing? It's no yeah, one's and gonna. The fact is, you no wouldn't know. Yeah, because he's still pulling those plays off. Like yeah. this guy is a freak of nature. And it's it's also like no one would like even like be mad at you if you didn't play. You know, it's yeah. like you're injured. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can do. But uh, whatever. Um, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. I guess, uh, you, I guess uh, you know, if you can freeze someone's leg and they score an overtime winner and they feel fine, they don't care, right? Right, that's true. I mean, I guess it's, like, just hot. But I don't know, I just don't like that mentality that, like, hockey's this different, like, warrior sport. It's just like, yeah, just play, you know, that doesn't mean that you should play hurt if you can. Um, uh... So then we have the Worlds going on here. Um, I think it starts next week. Um, Line, Patrick Laine um, has, has already said that he's out. So as Austin Matthews and Patrick Kane for the U.S. Um, however, Jack Eichel, Johnny Goudreau, and my new favorite player, Charlie McAvoy, are um, going to be playing for the U.S., um, and also, Pasternak is going to represent the uh, Czechs. So, um, so for for Bruins fans, that's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the fact that uh, Kane is skipping out doesn't surprise me. They need him. The yep. Hawks need him to be mentally rested and ready, rested and ready to go. Like goal scoring wise, first half he had a rough start. He picked it up in the second half, but it took him a while. And and you look at Matthews. Last eighteen months have been very, very busy. Like yep. go, 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 nonstop. Like you play in Switzerland for a year. You play in the Worlds and dominate. You get drafted. You play yep. in the World Cup of Hockey. You make the team. You dominate as an NHL rookie. You yep. break all those ancient rookie franchise records in Toronto. You help the struggling Maple Leafs franchise make the playoffs, and then you make a significant statement against the most dangerous team in the league. Yep. That's a lot to handle. 
And the best way to handle all that pressure and demand and excel while doing so, not just in the short term but in the long term, is by getting a substantial amount of rest. And Matthews has certainly earned that. So I don't blame him for saying I'm not going. No, no, I don't either. Although I will say as an American fan, this is kind of unfortunate, especially since there's not going to be the Olympics in the NHL because it would have been cool to have Eichel, Goudreau, Matthews, and Patrick Kane all Maybe, he's, maybe that's why he's not playing, because he's holding out hope that, you know, maybe <laughs> there's a chance that they I, get it. I know, but this might be, like, the last time that all four of those players could be on the same team, you know? So, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, it's unfortunate for me, but I'll live, I think. Um, I'll take Eichel and Goudreau and uh, Charlie McAvoy. Um but yeah, no, it's true. The, uh, Matthews, Patrick Kane, Patrick Line all have the right to get out of their worlds. They, you know, they, uh, you know, it's it's one of those weird tournaments. But um, we'll see. Uh, social media, uh, lace them up. Is our Twitter? Is that, is that our Twitter? No, no. The <laughs> lace them podcast is our Twitter. Lace them up is our okay. Facebook yep. feed. Got it. And, uh, mostly Twitter, though. Mostly Twitter. We're very active on Twitter. We are pretty active on Twitter. That's true. Uh, SoundCloud. You're probably listening to this on SoundCloud. Uh, lay some up on there. Subscribe to us. Um, like all our stuff uh, there. And uh, you're also uh, subscribed to us on iTunes. We're on there, too. Uh, just uh, search lay some up there. And subscribe to us. You'll get automatically uh, notified when you um, when you subscribe to uh, new episodes and everything. So, um, and oh, also email us at uh, laceupbag at gmail.com. Um, I believe that's it for the day. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. Steve may have just uh, finally, yes, I don't know where Steve went. Yep, Steve just logged out, so I'll say uh, I'm Steve. I'm Steve Ellsworth as well. Um, see you.